Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as always. This is episode 67. We have a great episode today. Uh, In my opinion, anyway, I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Logan Todd, here in just a moment. Uh, Logan recently drove up to Kentucky from Nashville and spent an afternoon with me. We hung out uh, in the studio and Uh, Did a a nice interview uh, and just such a great young drummer that everybody should know. So I hope everybody's having a great week out there and we'll be joined by Logan after this message from our sponsor, Lost Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Lost Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Lost Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Lost Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Lost Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Lost Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Lost Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Lost Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at lostcabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Lost Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're about to be joined by my good friend, Logan Todd. Uh, Logan is a young drummer making his way down in Nashville, Tennessee. He's originally from Memphis, um, but I got to know Logan um, during the Summer NAM show last year in Nashville. We met and uh, started a, up a friendly conversation amongst two drummers, and we've been, you know, keeping in touch. And, um, uh, you know, Logan says that I have kind of become a mentor to him, which I question his life choices, quite honestly. But just a super, super young drummer that is going to be very, very important in a lot of different ways. So I was very pleased to host him for an afternoon. Um, I, I hope you get to know a little bit about Logan uh, during this interview, but uh, I, I think it's just absolute internet gold. We had so much fun together doing this interview. So please help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle, my friend, Logan Todd. Hey, Logan, how's it going, brother? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, thanks for uh, making the drive up to Central Kentucky to be on the drum shuffle. We appreciate that, dude. Beautiful drive. Got to see a lot of horses on the way up here. Yeah, well, Learned we... about uh, Irish stonemasons too. <laughs> <laughs> dry Heard masonry, the new, the new. Yeah. Hobby. Well, you'll see plenty of. Uh, dry irish masonry in this neck of the woods and for that's sure. what today's podcast is going to be about folks yeah We're really shifting gears yeah dan carlin has nothing on me we're going to talk about the history of dry masonry <laughs> in central kentucky uh all right so we we're 30 seconds in and it's already off the rails i love it i knew <laughs> yes I, that's I knew, how it's gonna be i knew this was gonna happen <laughs> So, kids, the moral of the story, don't let drummers into your studio because this is what happens. Yes, when don't we're, let them near a microphone. Yeah, when we do this in person. So, um, if I may, before I just dive right into sure. the question asking, let's let's tell everybody how you and I um, met and, and kind of got hooked up. I was down at uh, Summer NAM mm-hmm. in Nashville last July 
and was hanging out over at the the dream, the dream sim, yeah. yeah the dream symbols booth and uh it, it, logan our guest today walked up and was like hey man how's it going and we just started a conversation yep. and uh we've stayed in touch and yep. logan has since become uh, a dream symbols artist much with, thanks to you uh, well no i don't know it's much thanks to your playing but um you know i I was happy to, to just introduce yeah. you to the right people or whatever, but the, the rest of that is all on you. But um, we've kind of, you know, we've had monthly phone calls, yeah. just kind of keeping in touch. And we finally managed to find a time for us to get together and have you as a guest on the yeah, drum shuffle. This, is, this so. is a long time coming. And frankly, you've been a really awesome like mentor to me. Oh like my a young God. Guy. I know. Look, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> take it how you will but it's just been really nice like having someone who's been doing this for a long time that i can call and just be like hey this is kind of what's going on and you're like look man don't jump off the cliff everything's gonna be fine <laughs> yeah well um you know it i i think if i'm your mentor you you need to <laughs> i need to reevaluate yeah, you need yeah, to reevaluate yeah. some life choices but no i mean look you know i had guys when I was, you know, in my twenties mm -hmm. and had just really said, I'm going to do this professionally, yeah. you know, it, and, and I had guys that I was able to reach out to and say, mm -hmm. man, you know, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So I'm just trying to, you know, pay that back. Absolutely. Into the, into and the I universe. think that's, that's something, you know, as I'm like really getting to the professional side of this, that I'm starting to see like, and I'm seeking out relationships like that, you know, like when I met you, I was like, oh, this is a cool cool guy obviously we both share the memphis connection too yeah and um i didn't realize this but you know chad gamble too yeah um that whole thing and so just like recognizing a like-minded person who's a little further along in the journey i think is is an important way for me to like you know just kind of see what's yeah. next and see what's to come so yeah for sure man well and i just think it's you know we talk about this a lot on this show that you know drummers are this big, huge family and we're all oh, yeah. rooting for one another, which I think is really cool. And, um, you know, so it, I just think drummers are always willing to help one another Absolutely. out. Absolutely. It's know? not really as cutthroat as like people on the outside may think it is. You know? Yeah, it's, it's not. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times somebody has been like, Hey man, can I borrow, you know, a hi-hat stand tonight? Yeah. You know, my mine's broke and, you know, guitar center's closed or whatever the case may be. We're, we're, I mean, that's just kind of how we're all wired, which is awesome. Dude, so. for getting a clutch on the gig, yeah. <laughs> scariest thing that can ever happen. Well, now I showed you my tool case a minute no, ago. There's, yeah, there's like the, three <laughs> extra hi-hat clutches yes. in there. Oh, man. I, um, the, actually, the worst, I mean, to dive right into just a, a very drummer-specific problem, um, I had a kick drum pedal. The beater fell on me on a yeah. big gig and instantly went from four on the floor kick drum part to no kick drum yeah and that's an impossible fix like that is all systems fail you yeah. know if you drop a clutch you can kind of like use one hand and fix it yeah but when you drop a beater that's like end of the line man yeah Playing floor tom yeah kick. you just got to play the floor tom i mean that's all there is to it you know uh and unfortunately i've been in that situation before or you know I, i'm a um I'm a a, 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 a beater masher, Me you know, too. so I so wish I, I wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could play with the beater off, but I, I mash it in and I've actually gone completely through a head before. Oh no. Like to where the beater is stuck inside, <laughs> inside the, the broken head oh, no. and it's just like, well, well, you know, the end of the game. Yeah, when we get to uh, the end of this song, I'm going to find a roll of gaff tape and <laughs> see what we can do. see what we can do. That's I mean, you know, I've actually back when I was really young, I actually flipped a bass drum around Whoa. and played the resonant Ooh, and scary stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you do whatever you have to do to get through the gig. So, but enough about uh, let's not bad vibe our gigs, you no. know, oh, yeah, dude. talking about this Hold stuff. On. God. Well, hey, Hey, don't worry. There's always a MacGyver solution. So yes. that, I mean, there's always a way. Man, I, I say it all the time. If you have a problem in life, tell a drummer about it because it will get solved. You know, <laughs> like, oh yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure that we'll out. We, we can reverse engineer a space shuttle, you know, <laughs> something high praise. High yeah. Praise. High praise for drummers. Give some chewing gum and a couple paper clips. We'll figure this out. <laughs> it's fantastic. So, 
Logan, let's tell all of our listeners, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, you kind of alluded to it. You're originally from Memphis, Mm -hmm. which I spent some time down there, um, you know, in the mid 90s. That's kind of where I threw my hat into the ring is I'm going to do this as a, you know, as a professional. Um, Tell me a little bit about growing up in Memphis and how did you end up behind a drum set to begin with? Oh, man, it's funny because it's like I've got such a specific story about like how I started playing drums. But I mean, I think my love for music started because my parents have always been huge advocates of like the arts in Memphis. My mom or dad don't play. My brother's a rapper professionally, which is pretty cool. Oh, Um, that's cool. So music runs in the family, but there's not really any like musicians in my immediate family, but everyone in my family's always been a huge advocate of live music. So, you know, before I could even see over the bar, my parents were taking me to clubs to go see bands play. Killer. Like, uh, the River Bluff clan was one of the, you know, first bands are, yeah, I kind of hear that a little bit too. River Bluff clan was one of the first bands I really like fell in love with. Um, and it was like Americana before Americana was classified, you know, a yeah. little bit of bluegrass. Um, the drummer, Harry Peel, uh, rest in peace, man. But he he was like the first guy that I ever saw playing the drums. It just kind of blew my mind. And all he played was a kick snare and a hi-hat. And he just made it sing like nobody's business. That's killing. So the first guys that I fell in love with were like pocket guys working, yeah. like working class drummers, you know, as a kid, just like watching these guys, like that's unbelievable. And this was before I even knew I wanted to play the drums, you know. So I was just thankful to grow up in that sort of like, music rich environment and my family being so integrated into the arts community. I always felt like, um, I had a lot of people who were doing great things in the Memphis music scene, kind of like, you know, tossing my hair and rooting for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Um, huge. Oh man. And like, I learned so much from those guys. Like, you know, by the time, I mean, just to jump forward a little bit, by the time I got to Belmont and Nashville, like every time I'd come home, you know, I had this great group of people who were like, man, how's how are things going in Nashville? Are you doing your thing up there? Yeah. Like obviously a little bit of resentment because the Memphis Nashville rivalry is. Still, oh, it's, that's a it's real a thing. thing. That's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. And it goes, I mean, it goes all the way back to, you know, when Elvis's contract got sold to RCA. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's a long thing, but anyways, I started playing drums in sixth grade. Um, I remember to the day, like when I started, it was the last day of sixth grade and my best friend at the time, I was going to go spend the night at his house to like celebrate the last day of school. And his dad was an optometrist and I needed my eyes checked. So my mom's like, you can spend the night if you go get your eyes checked with this guy. So I do. And while I'm getting my eyes checked in the back, you know, I'm finding out that I'm super blind and that's why my three point shot was so terrible. in middle school. (laughs) (laughs) That's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) And so I hear drums going on in the back and I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. And I'd never really stood like in front of a drum kit up to that point. I mean, I started pretty late, I guess, sixth grade. Who's to say? Um, But I remember hearing him play just boom, boom, cat, 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 you know, kind of the first groove you learn. And, I was just transfixed by it. And so I wouldn't let them leave until I like figured out how to do it on the drums. Oh, that's cool. That night I called my mom and I'm like, mom, I want to take drum lessons, you know? And the next day she signed me up for drum lessons. I called everyone in my family that day. It's so crazy. And told them I was going to be a drummer. Oh, that's awesome. Like like that specific moment sort of thing. And I never really looked back. I didn't own a kit for the first year. I had just a practice pad. And now, go. were you at Drum Shop of yeah. Memphis? Oh, yeah, Mike oh. Assad was my first teacher. Great teacher. Yeah. I wish I could go back and take from him now, just because he's such an accomplished jazz guy, you know. And he's teaching me Joel. I think Joel Rothman's baby book of drumming yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah, it's not easy stuff. But and you know, for for folks that are in that area of the country, like if you're in, you know, Mississippi, Mm -hmm. you know, West Tennessee, if you're in Arkansas, if you're anywhere in that general geographic location, it is worth a half day's drive to go to drum shop of Memphis. I mean, first of all, you know, there are videos that that are on YouTube. Like if you're symbol.com. Yeah. My symbol.com. But it it like, you know, for me, it's like, Oh, Ludwig came out with something new or Tama, you Mm -hmm. know, you can go 
check out some awesome drummer playing that kit. And it's, I think the best part is just like watching what the guys come up yeah. with. Cause they always like, like, let me show you, let me showcase this beautiful new drum with my brand of playing. And it's always like, Oh my gosh, like the Yo, like yeah. great players. I'll watch some them those, just for the players. Yeah. Some of those guys are, uh, and I'm probably going to get the name wrong. So I apologize. Okay. But is it Ben white that I'm does a lot of their videos? I'm there. not familiar with Ben. Yeah, so just tasty groove guy and love love watching you know his demo videos. Yeah. But Tom Leonardo is another guy too. If you yeah. ever seen him, he's like the Memphis jazzer kind. Yeah, of. but I mean, so take the drive to Memphis Drum Shop. You yes, know, for, absolutely. for sure, it's a great place to visit. It's really cool. They're super helpful. One of the you know nation's great five star drum shops. So yes. there's there's a plug for for Memphis. Yes, absolutely. It's it's and then you know going down to Lafayette's music room too. That's one of the best live rooms in town. And it's just right up the street. And there's always good music going on there. Yeah, the day trip for sure. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I mean, Memphis is one of those places that if you're a music lover, a live music lover, anyway, mm -hmm. it's it's worth a weekend absolutely. in Memphis. You know, everybody should should spend mm -hmm. a day on Beale Street. Yeah, I think. absolutely. You know? Yeah, and that's honestly that's how I cut my teeth, like playing too in high school. Um, me and my friends, we, we totally had like the Memphis mentality about it of like, we would go down and just hustle to like set up on a street corner oh, yeah. and like try to just play down there. And we just asked someone if we could use an outlet yeah. and we'd run, <laughs> we'd run like a full band off of one power strip yeah. PA and all on Beale street. And like, man, we, we can make anywhere from like three to 700 bucks just like busking on Beale street as a three piece. And yeah. it was, um, it was like a really great way to come up, you know, just like as far as getting that real, like there's just something in the water down there as far as like the way it makes you play. And I mean, you're just automatically listening to other people and you're watching the crowd like you want people to be moving because it's a big it's a big party. It reminds me a lot of New Orleans. Yeah. Memphis and New Orleans are, you know, they're they're definitely um I, loosely related anyway. You know, New mm -hmm. Orleans is more about the, the jazz. jazz. Memphis is definitely about the blues, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, but th those two genres are so interconnected yep. anyway. So, um, I, all right. So you're taking lessons at, at, mm -hmm. you know, Memphis drum shop, you're getting started. Um, I know that you were like immediately like forming up your first garage bands oh, and, yeah. and, and things like that. Um, and I don't want to gloss anything over or no, skip ahead too much, but you ended up in Nashville yes. because of Belmont. Yes. So now, you know, when I lived in Memphis, I was already, you know, an adult. Yes. So I didn't do school in Memphis, but, you know, I know that there's the great, you know, marching band traditions for football mm -hmm. games, all that stuff. So were you kind of doing the, the school thing through middle school, high school? Were you doing marching band? So I actually, I played trumpet um, okay. in the high school band because no one, I mean, everyone wants to play drums. Drums are like the cool thing. Apparently, you know, when you're doing band, yeah. and I, I went to Christian Brothers High School, which uh, claimed to fame is like the oldest high school band in America. Um, and so I, I wound up being forced to play trumpet. I actually, well, I did trumpet in middle school too. And, uh, Scott Thompson was our director. He's a great trumpet player in Memphis, like played on cat power, um, does sessions with like Boo Mitchell, all kinds of people. Okay, that's cool. Player. Yeah. So he was, again, I feel like so many of these great players were like lost on me because I was just too young to like understand, yeah. you know, but so I played trumpet in high school and we had a jazz band and I, I played drums in the jazz band. Um, okay. And then, yeah, I didn't do any of the marching stuff at all. So when I got to Belmont, like all of those kids were like DCI kids, you know, like just and marching chops for oh, days, dude, yeah. just like, you know, running, running pataflaflas or whatever to a click, I mean, <laughs> you know, like just all the, just so rudimentally rooted, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I did take a lot of rudimental training in high school, but like not to the level, like I remember my first day of college, someone played, um, a four mallet marimba solo called Merlin. It's like this really, you know, difficult classical piece. And that was my first day of college. And I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and uh, you know, you hear those stories, you know, about guys that like my first day at Berkeley college of music, mm -hmm. you know, in Boston. And I go, I'm moving back home. <laughs> you know, it, it can be intimidating, but you know, you Belmont is one of the great music schools anywhere, you know, and, and it doesn't get as much, um, you know, 
I, I guess, publicity sure. as like the University of Miami, Berkeley, Musicians Institute, North Texas, you know. But that's what I think is so great about it because Belmont like churns out people who are ready to like to gig. It's not so much. I mean, obviously, you're getting a, a very first rate musical education, but it's so much more about the community created there. And it's not like it doesn't. I mean, obviously, you, when you go to Belmont, you kind of have you look at those other schools with a bit of, you know, with a with a bias. Yeah. And so a lot of the, you know, people will talk about Berkeley like, Oh, those kids come out amazing players, but they're kind of like, they let you know it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, and that's I mean, obviously that's not true of everybody, but right. for Belmont, it was like, that's like the working people come out of Belmont as far as like, um, the music school type of education it was very focused on like, you know, getting a job. Right. With it, you know, well, and I remember, you know, when I was younger, it was it was a really big deal. You know, Mike Curb from mm-hmm. Curb Records. I mean, that was when he like wrote the the really big check, you yeah. know, with a lot of zeros on it. And it was like the the Curb School yeah, of the Music, music Business. business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big deal. But I can remember, you know, when I, I don't know, I was in my mid 20s, probably mm-hmm. visiting Belmont and like seeing just a hallway of recording studio after yep. recording studio. And I was like, holy cow, man, this is this is really something. But it was too late for me, sure. you know, and, and I just didn't know because mm-hmm. the lack of publicity. Yeah, it's are- kind of like it's still a little secret. Like I was asking about it because I've got a friend who's still in school there now. It's still only like 10,000 for the student that's, population. That's unreal. I mean, and it's, it's a beautiful campus, but that was like, as far as going to music school, it was incredibly difficult, but I'm so glad I did it. Like, yeah. And finished it. Like I almost quit three times and I'm just so glad that I stuck it out. And like, you know, the first two years you kind of like, I felt like I was trying to cop to everybody else as far as like, Oh, well this is what they're doing. So let me like try to get in on that. But then it's like, I just kind of embraced my identity as like a, a, a groove guy, you yeah. know? And I mean, I, obviously I picked up a lot of the, the skill stuff too, but in, as I just got older there, I, it just became so much more comfortable to like, Hey, this is whatever I want to make of it. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm the one paying tuition here. Like I'm going to milk this for all it's worth. And I'm really thankful that I got my degree from there for y- sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think a lot of these schools, you know, um, you, you go to it, you know, I, we had Rich Redman on mm-hmm. not too long ago. And of course he was, you know, North Texas guy yep. played in their, um, you, you know, one great o'clock jazz. Yeah. Band. The one o'clock jazz band. And, you know, Rich is a great jazz player, but nobody knows him for that. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, everybody knows him as the, the guy that's played with Jason Aldean yep. all these years. And, you know, the guy that kind of brought that you know, John Bonham bigness to country mm-hmm. music, yeah. you know, I mean, that's Rich's calling card. Um, y- you know, so I think that a lot of guys, when they go to these really prestigious music schools, mm-hmm. you know, they go and they focus on jazz and then they don't do that yeah. for a living, which I find really interesting because if you put a gun to my head right now, <laughs> I couldn't play jazz that made sense to anybody. Dude. Well, that's the thing is like, I, I, th- think and I'm you know just speaking for myself I really try to seek out at least one project at a time where I can have some of those like some of that freedom of expression because I love jazz like I'm a I'm a huge jazz lover like I actually I was telling you earlier I went and saw Robert Glasper trio at City Winery in Nashville the other night Chris Dave on drums like perfect culmination of like hip-hop and jazz infusion and like I'm, I'm always looking for a project where I can like push myself in that way. But at the same time, there's so much joy that comes from just playing good, solid backbeat, yeah. you know, with yeah. the right textures. So I don't know. I guess I just try to have a breadth of projects where I can express different, at, you know, aspects of my playing. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love to play, you know, it's like, don't we a, all, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. why we do this, you know? And there's like, you know, there's a term with rappers, like, uh, cause my brother, that's what my brother does. And you know, some people like really like to rap. There's people who are like kind of more vibing. There's people who really like to rap, you know, like yeah. really flex their muscles and like, I love to play, you know, when I can. Yeah. So it's nice to have some, some sort of outlet for that every now and then. You know? Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the gigs that you're doing these days okay. now. Um, 
the, the one that I have heard and you were gracious enough to kind of share some, you know, preview yeah. tracks, you know, hopefully I'm not getting you fired no, no, right you're, now. You're so fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not uh, coming out till January though. So we got some time. Okay, cool. So, so it's going to be a little while, but you know, I got to hear some of those, you know, um, I, I wouldn't call them rough mixes, but mm. you know, definitely not the finished product yeah. yet. Um, with Jason Lee McKinney band. Yes. And, you know, I will just say this, that, you know, for our listeners who are a fan of kind of that crossover between rock and country, you mm-hmm. know, Americana is what everybody, you know, yeah. look, I think Americana gets overused, you know, a, a it's lot. A blank, it's a catch all. It, it, it really is like we don't know where we fit in. So we're going to call ourselves Americana. Yeah. But this really, truly is Americana music. Um, really good stuff. It's it's thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, good songs. Um, Jason's a great writer. Clearly, you know, he knows what's going on and he, you know, he, he comes from, um, I, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody, but he, he kind of comes from that, that same vein as, as a Jason Isbell Mm -hmm. or, you know, good guitar driven rock stuff, but yet the tender acoustic ballad stuff at the Mm -hmm. same time, you know, so, so it's really good. So, Tell us a little bit about that gig sure. and what you've got going on there. I know you guys just kind of did some stuff in Europe. You were touring mm-hmm. over there. So talk talk to us about sure. it. So with Jason, I'll just kind of like tell you how I got in the band. It was actually, um, there's a website called uh, that's my gig.com. It's just kind of like a posting site for, you know, contract work. Yeah. And they put a listing out there for, um, for a drummer. And I, I sent him my stuff, got an audition, um, did great at the audition, got a phone call a week later when I'm on the road with the band called the voodoo fix. Um, and they're like, Hey, do you want to join our band? I'm like, absolutely. So, um, it's five piece, got, uh, keys, bass, uh, drums, lead guitar, and then rhythm. And our lead player, Sam Burst, man, amazing slide player. I mean, you, you probably, you listen to some of those solos yeah. on the record. And that's, I think my favorite thing about that band is like what we were just talking about, about like being able to play like all of those guys play their ass off like yeah. they're such great players but everyone's like so dedicated to like taking that song and like making it shine because jason writes really great songs and so it's just this exercise and restraint and it, we all push each other really hard so and it's a great harmony band too which i forget sometimes you know and then i'll just be sitting back there on the kit listening like oh man these dudes can sing yeah and so, you know, I've been with them for almost two years now. Um, first major tour I did with them, we did a USO tour. and Well, it's AFE, Armed Forces Entertainment. Um, did a tour in the Middle East. Um, got to go to Qatar, Djibouti, Africa. Um, where else? United Arab Emirates. Just like all these Middle Eastern countries. And it was just really, a really great experience getting to play for the troops over there. And, oh, I'd um, imagine. That, that's got to be cool. It was great. And at the time I had just finished producing a hip hop record for my brother who was a medic in Afghanistan. So I had all the rough mixes from that when we were on the road in the Middle East and I was just showing all these guys and it was so cool because like they were relating to it. And then it was just like the time with Jason has been really good. And I feel like that's kind of where things have really started to like shoot up weird for me has been since joining that band and it's just a really, it's always a fresh, fun time with them, you know, and yeah. doing the Poland thing last year, we played in Marangovo, Poland, which is, um, it's North of Warsaw, did this big festival over there called the picnic festival, um, played right on the, at this amphitheater, right on the mouth of like a beautiful lake. Um, 8,000 people, biggest show I've ever done. And That's crazy, man. It was an airline lost my symbol. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh okay. So, <laughs> so let, yeah. So we, we said we weren't going to bad vibe any more gig stories. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <no. laughs> the airline lost my symbols. I did get them back. Uh, yeah. After how many weeks? Um, uh, <laughs> dude, that, that is such a rabbit hole. No more bad vibes. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> So when you're um, just just make a note, everybody out there listening to this, make a note to yourself when you are traveling, when you're touring as a drummer, um, never check anything that you actually want to see again. You know, it's it's almost better to like pay for an extra person to take the flight and gate check. Yeah, I mean, so. It, it's tough, man. Mm-hmm. It's tough. And they forced me to check it. Like I want to, like I did, I was like, 
I don't want to check this. I don't know. They're like, you have to check. I'm like, yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's a nightmare, but oh, yeah. the Poland thing was really cool. Yeah, um, there's, there's a video on YouTube of that too. I'll have to, I can shoot you a link to it. Yeah. Well, absolutely. The yeah. Um, well, absolutely. Great. But just a great live band, man. They're really, they're just fun guys to play with. And I really um, enjoy that gig a lot. And we, we cover a lot of ground. Like Jason actually teaches, he's the music business department chair at a university in Memphis called visible school. It's like a Christian music college. And so he and I have shared the Memphis connection too. So we're like really into soul music, you know, and yeah. there's a, like, you could probably hear on that song blues and Bahrain. You oh know? yeah. There's that's, like definitely some soul influence. Yeah. In that one. And that was the highlight of the, the record for me. Cool. That, that song is insane. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, I mean, it's, dun, dun, dun. it's really cool. And you, you play a really tasty groove throughout that. It's, Thanks, it's, man. yeah, you're welcome. Um, it's well-deserved, but, um, I know that you're also doing a lot of session work these yes. days. So, you know, I, the the question that I get asked most, like, you know, every episode I say, we answer every email that you send, mm -hmm. right? The number one email that I get from people that listen to this show yeah. is, how do I become a session guy? How do I just, oh, man. how do I get my start? That's what I want to do. I want to live in the studio. I want to be a session sure. guy. And, you know, I mean, we've had Matt Chamberlain on the show. Uh, we've had Chris McHugh on the show. Matt Chamberlain's one of my biggest heroes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> we've got, we've, you know, these guys are doing this all the mm -hmm. time. You know, Aaron Comas, we had on the show. I mean, just monster session yeah. guys. It's hard for guys like Logan and Jamie mm -hmm. to do session work, but I want you to tell your story of how you got started. Sure. And you know, like like we were talking about earlier, I feel like the snowball's finally starting to roll downhill a little bit. Like um and I feel like I can provide a unique perspective compared to these guys who've been doing it for such a long time because I feel like my journey in the session in the session world is just kind of Yeah, you're, you're just getting started, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think what I've done, one thing, Belmont was definitely really helpful as far as just meeting engineers. And I feel like I've always gravitated towards engineers and producers because, you know, there's, there's like, there's just a, a shared love for sound. And I feel like as drummers, like we're big texture fans, you know, yeah. and, um, well, there's a certain level of geekdom that, that yeah. comes with, with, you know, and I'm not cutting anybody, but you know, to be a recording engineer, to be a drummer, to be a guitarist with like the big pedal yeah, board, yeah, yeah. there's, there's a certain level of nerdery that just kind of, yeah, we're all, you know, kindred spirits together mm -hmm, in absolutely. that way. And you can really feel that. I, I think, especially with like engineers and drummers, just because, you know, like that, everyone has a philosophy about how to set up drum mics. You know, there's like, there's the Glenn Johns technique and there's yeah. like, you know, there's just so many different schools of thought out there for miking a drum kit, which is what's so great about it. How you can have like a calling card based on like how you mic a drum kit. And so <laughs> it's, I've always, it's insane yeah, really. But, and I've always like kind of gravitated towards that because when I went to, when I went to Belmont in classical percussion, classical percussion guys take love for sound and texture to an, insanely yeah. different level. Like there's a guy named Sam Bacco in Nashville. Who's like, um, the classical percussion chair in this Nashville symphony. Man, Sam Bacco is the guy that brought Slingerland back from the dead. When Slingerland was, when they were mm -hmm. making drums in Nashville, like yeah. early nineties, Sam Bacco was that guy. Oh, wow. Sam Bacco. I, I actually had a kit for a long time that he restored oh, for me, an old Ludwig out. kit. So Sam Bacco, just, I'm going to give him a shout sure, out absolutely. real quick. But when DJ Fontana had his original, original Gretsch kit that oh, Elvis man. gave him, mm -hmm. like calfskin heads kind of thing, when he had that restored, Sam Bacco did it. Oh, man. okay. So, but Sam has played percussion on every record out of Nashville for the last <laughs> 30 years. Yeah. But it, fantastic class, classical percussionist. So sorry to interrupt, no, no, but there, had to give Sam a shout I out. I mean, that's the thing that this world is so, it, it, it's so connected. There's yeah. So many pieces and it's just, it all, it all, it's all relevant, you know? Yeah. And so, but long story short about that is that's kind of where I started developing this love for sound and texture was just by watching the way those guys would take a can and see what pitch it is and yeah. then like set it up with other cans to play, you know, like a percussion ensemble piece. And I was like, 
that is amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, also I love guys like Matt Chamberlain and Aaron Sterling. And so I feel like with the session world, my niche was already kind of figured out for me because I love to groove and I love finding weird off the wall things to make sound, you know? Yeah. And, and I, you know, love talking to engineers about like, Oh, what if we try this? I'm just like really excited about all of that stuff. And I want to ask those questions. And I, I, and you know, a lot of my friends at Belmont were engineers and I've just, I try to keep, you know, just like you and I keep touch, keep in touch like once a month. I just, I think what, what's kind of gotten the ball rolling is I just keep touching base with people or like, Hey, let's go grab a beer, blah, blah, blah. And not in, not in the way it's not like, it's not a means to an end. It's more just like, Hey, I need to be engaged with this yeah. group of people. If this is what I'm doing, then I need to see how these people are doing and be genuinely concerned with what's going on in their lives. And, you know, the more you talk to someone, the more you see someone, the more they think about you when they need somebody. Well, the music business is very much out of sight, out of mind, mm -hmm. you know, and I tell my wife, Lisa, all the time, I could be a whole lot busier as a player, mm -hmm. but it would require me to be out at shows yep. four or five nights a yep. week in that networking thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm at an age now where I really like sitting in this studio. Yeah. And I mean, I've got a big screen TV here. You it's know nice. what I mean? It's a very nice place. You know, but I, I'm lazy. You know, I mean, I, that that's just the honest answer. Um, and I work enough, yeah. you know, do I want to do more? Sure. But if I got so much more work, would I be happy? I, you know, I, I don't know, you know, so I think it's, and you will find, you mm -hmm. know, and I don't want to let any cats out of the bag, but Logan is a newlywed. Yep. Uh, so congratulations Thank on that. Um, but I think you will find as you're starting your family and, and things like that, you, you there, there is a point in life where you stop saying yes to everything. Absolutely. Um, at least for some guys, sure. you know, now, you know, I've had, yeah, I think Matt Chamberlain said he always says yes, you know, no matter mm -hmm. what it is, he always says yes mm -hmm. kind of thing, uh, unless it really sucks. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> there's, there's the floor. There's a floor. There is. But, you know, I think the conversation about how do you become a session guy is you just have to be in that world. Mm -hmm. And when you get that first call, hey, come do this session. Let's do it do it, do it and do it really, really well. Then I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. But there's, and there's also this, you know, there's, it's, it's such a crazy thing because I've had, you know, I've had some producers tell me like, and some, you know, some of my teachers, even at Belmont tell me like, man, you know, like when you go into a session, just be quiet and do exactly as you're told. And then, you know, go home and, you know, just like very stern sort of approach to it. Like, and yes, we're in the service industry, but I feel like part of the service that I can provide is I just love making good songs and I want to help heighten something in any way I can. And it's not for my own ego or personal gain. It's just because like, Oh, let's make this song great. And so I feel like I've started to develop a calling card in a sense, just by having ideas and being excited about sharing things. Yeah. And obviously there's, there's definitely a time and a place like you need to read the room. You know, that's something I went to an Aaron Sterling thing in Nashville. Shout out to Aaron. Um, and he talked a lot about that, about reading the room, you know, yeah. and just like energy levels. If you've got people whose energy levels on a three or four, you can kind of afford to bring a little bit more energy into that room. But if you've got people who have, you know, their egos are on a higher level, that's where you kind of need to be a little bit more in that um, receiving sort of space as opposed to like interjecting too much, you know? Yeah. Let's not be Meryl Streep, right? Let's, yeah. let's go yeah. for best supporting actor Absolutely. instead of, you know, you know, not to interrupt your train of thought, but there have been sessions that I've walked into mm -hmm. and I was told ahead of time, you are recreating the, the drum machine on this demo. Absolutely. That's all you're doing. Mm -hmm. So they just want live drums, but you're recreating exactly what's on the demo. Yeah. There have been others that I've walked into and they're like, the world is your oyster. Tell, mm -hmm. tell us what it needs. You know, we're not drummers kind of thing. But most, I would say 90% of sessions, it's somewhere in between. Yeah. P 
pick your spots, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to do the, the Moby Dick, you know, <laughs> drum fill. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You don't want to do that all the way through the track, but you just got to, you have to know where to interject. Hey, what if? It's situational awareness. Yeah. Like that is the name of the game in the studio is situational awareness and like being receptive and open and just being, I would say just really just being honest, like not having any pretense about what you're in there to do. Like if you got a call to be in a session, give it your whole heart. Like don't, yeah. sh- I think I used to kind of show up in, in a somewhat calculated way or just like, okay, I need this to go a certain way. It's like, just let all of that go. Once you're in the room, just be in that room and just, you know, just yeah. give it your whole heart. And I've found, I've had a lot of luck with that. Like, I think another thing I've started to get calls because I have this video on YouTube of me playing a Samsonite suitcase kick drum and then playing brushes and a piccolo snare with it. Yeah, that's cool. And it sounds awesome. Yeah. And I love just putting together weird sort of junk kits all the time. And so, you know, I'm doing this record with Jakir King right now for, for ZZ Ward. Um, she, unbelievable artist, amazing voice, great songwriter. And Jakir King's obviously an amazing producer. Um, and just such a kind person. Um, but he found me because he saw that YouTube video. That's cool. And then I wound up doing something similar on the session and everyone in the room loved it. And like, especially the artist, like ZZ was like really excited about it. She posted a video on like her Instagram story of me doing that. And it's just one of those things where like, if you can do something to make people excited in the studio and like just bring that, yeah. that joy of the creative process, like that was the last thing we did at the end of the night too. And everyone left like, Oh man, we got such a great track today. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so, everybody's on, on the up when yeah. you leave. Yeah. And so, you know, like you're saying, interjecting in a place where it makes sense, you know, like do your job, you know, like hold down the groove, stay out of the way of the vocal or if you do if you do anything, just try to complement that vocal, give it a little lift. Um, and you know, if you have a spot, do something cool in that spot, and then get back out of the way. Yeah, you know. And in 2019, it's all about avoiding the crash symbol too. Every, <laughs> hot hat on the chorus, man. Maybe maybe that's why my phone isn't ringing <laughs> so much. Avoid the crash symbol. I did not get that. Oh memo. no, I didn't get that one. I Unless did you not. put side chain compression on it, which sounds really cool. Yeah. I did not get that email though. I'm oh, just saying, you know, I'm, everyone, yeah, you'll get one after this episode. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm sure my, my listeners will be like, yeah, man, dude. Well, I mean, we were out at, at, you know, kind of the, the space that I record in a lot, mm-hmm. red house recording here in town and you got to meet Phil and you saw, you know, I had my kit set up in there. Yeah. I had 20 inch crashes all yeah. the way around yeah. the kit, you know, my, mm-hmm. my beautiful dream symbols, you know, um, but I think, you know, I was jamming with those guys and it's more of a rock thing. Yeah. But I think gear is important too. Absolutely. Is knowing what, what, you know, what your palette is going to be, because I'm going to guess that when you go into a singer songwriter kind of session, you're not taking your bottom kit, you no. know, and, and people, you know, I, I think that gets lost on a lot of drummers. They're mm-hmm. like, well, my sound is a brass, you know, six and a half by 14 Ooh, snare. Just honking. Yeah, but it, it's not if you're going to do a singer songwriter kind of thing. You, you'd mm-hmm. better have another arrow in the quiver. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's another big thing. Like, like we were saying about texture earlier. It's just like, I, I'm a big believer in the tools you use using those as a way to influence your playing and inspire your creativity. And so bringing different options or thinking about the kind of song you're going to be working on any particular day, let that inform your creativity. You know, like when we did that Jason record, I brought three drum kits down there. I mean, we were down there for three days. I used a different kick drum on every song on that song, cover town, like the ballad I used, uh, they had an old Slingerland, um, concert bass drum in there that I use with a really soft felt beater for, um, for the kick drum. And it just, it was perfect because, you know, all bass was just laying down big old puddles. And so I just kind of dropped the bass note on one and, or the kick drum on one. And it just filled up that space so nicely and like d- expand the palette always, right. you know, always have choices. And like, I've got, I've been collecting, you know, my box of percussion goodies is finally overflowing. I need to get another one. You know, yeah. I've got like eight tambourines. 
<laughs> oh, well, you might have a problem. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, if I you get, did. if you get north of six, I mean, uh, yeah. just, just saying, you know, I, I, but I, you know, it's interesting and this is great conversation because I think a lot of people, um, a lot of drummers struggle with that. It's mm-hmm. like, do, do I spend my money right on a new, you know, I don't know, iron Cobra double pedal, or if you're wanting to be in the session game, I don't think that stuff matters as much gadgets as, and gizmos. Y- yeah. Find, find, you know, if the engineer says, man, that snare just does not fit this track, have another one, have another one. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not the days of, you know, J.R. Robinson either, you know, where you come in with like, you know, the, the big cartage, you know, 90 snares or whatever. Yeah. But you know, my adage has always been, you can always take ring out of a drum, but you can't add ring to it. That's very true. Right. So if you start with a very resonant instrument to begin with and a roll of gaff tape, you, you you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You can get to where your, your target is. So I mean, I just, I find all this stuff just so interesting and I love hearing somebody else's yeah. perspective oh, yeah. about it. It's, I mean, it's just fascinating. Now, I know that you've also started doing some production work yeah. and, um, you know, primarily in the hip hop space, right? Hip hop and Americana, believe it or not, like very divergent worlds. So um, hip Kana? No, no, not <laughs> at the same time. I know, that's I know. Terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. I know. That's rough. It, you should edit that one out. No. <laughs> that is absolutely staying. No, is, Listen here, kids. Hip Kana is coming the, your way. It's coming your way. I I said it here first. All right. <laughs> I want full credit for this. 401 p.m. No, I'm kidding. No, no, it's fine. Um, so I know you're yeah. working in both genres. Um, how different is it? I mean, at the end of the day, you're just trying to get a good track. Yeah. No matter what the genre, mm-hmm. right? But do you approach the two Man, differently? The, the, they've informed one another so much since I've started doing hip hop and like I've been listening to a lot more pop music lately too. I'm and sorry. What I, no, man, <laughs> there is some great pop out there. I know there and is. Like, I it's think, just not the stuff that's force fed into us <laughs> yeah. from the machine. Yeah. I But I think what I love about hip hop, it again, is the curation of the sounds. Yeah. It's like the grooves are always going to be pretty similar. It's usually a halftime feel with some sort of like um, 16th note hi-hat pattern and then there's like, you know, sporadic sort of um, trap hats, they call them, with yeah. like little triplet fills. And it's really fun to take those and pan them in opposite directions and put weird delays on. Like, that's what's so great about hip hop is it's just drumming paradise. But yeah. I think a lot of people, because it's electronic as drummers, I think there's there's like an inherent fear in embracing that because it's like, oh, well, if it's electronic, then I'm going to. I'm not going to have a job. No, dude, make, be the best at that. And like, I've worked with hip hop producers and so many hip hop producers in Atlanta are amazing at making drums sound great and they don't play drums at all. So sitting down in the room with those guys as a drummer is really fun because it's just a non-intuitive way of creating. Um, but having that knowledge as a drummer is really cool to apply because you can really, you can really hone in and identify and find that exact sound you're looking for, that exact rhythm. Like we did a beat yesterday. I've, I've got a crew called Space Church and we do, it's a piano player, violin player and me and we just make hip hop beats. That's like cool. All day, every day. Well, once a week. Okay. <laughs> um, but we did one yesterday in five, four and the drums were in four, but the melody was in five over it and the changes were in five over it. But it's just boom, ka, boom, ka. So, I mean, anything goes, I guess, is the point. And producing has just been so great. And I think a natural transition because drummers, I mean, it's our job to be listeners. And I know I'm yeah. talking a lot right now. No, 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 no. I, yeah. Um, I mean, this is what you're here to do. But, yeah. you know, you brought up a good point, you know, drummers being afraid of the electronic thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So our dream brethren, Kent Oberly, yeah. uh, down in Atlanta, you know, Kent said something to me one day. He was like, don't be the get off my lawn kids guy. He was like, go learn how to do stuff in Mm -hmm. Ableton. Oh yeah. You know, don't, don't pass up another opportunity to work. Right. He was like, you got to embrace it. But I mean, you know, it was before my time even, but when the Lynn drum machine came out, you know, I've read articles galore that, oh, well, no more drummers. Well, guess what? Here we are in 2019. Still drumming. 40 years after the Lynn drum machine. 
we're all still working dude and the coolest thing is blending those two worlds you get you just get it's it's another vehicle for creativity and you might as well embrace it and you know it took me a long time to realize that but i was actually on a session with my brother in december and we were um we recorded six songs in two days like out of thin air like they did not exist the beats weren't made we made six beats recorded six hooks and you know 12 verses in, in three days. And so I had to run the board on Ableton and I'd like kind of messed around in it, but I'd never really like just ran a session in Ableton and having drummed on a lot of sessions. It's like, I know how the flow works and just kind of, you know, you want to keep things moving in a positive direction, but it was kind of a trial by fire situation. And ever since then I've just continued to dive into it. And Ableton is just in drummers out there. Get that program. It is an unbelievable program unbelievable program and the coolest feature i found recently you can take a drum track like a live drum track and convert it to midi information and then replace all the sounds but while keeping the real feel of the um of the, the space the, yeah yeah the space the in the notes yeah it's, that's especially cool for like hi-hat like i'll record live hats and then throw it into the midi converter and then just put in different sounds and it still feels real. It doesn't have that robotic, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it feels like it has that like molar technique kind of sound to it. Well, and if you're going to work, you know, uh, any of the, the, the big Nashville tours, right. You're going to be, got run tracks. You're going to be running Ableton. Um, if you're a drummer, it's typically the drummer's job, which is crazy because we already have to do so much and set up so much. (laughs) But you know, your click is going to be coming out of an Ableton rig Mm -hmm. 99 out of a hundred times, you know? Um, so I, I mean, I think it's a really good point. Now, when you take off the hip hop, you know, hat, you know, producing that and you have an Americana artist come in, how much of that crosses over? Um, I think what crosses over is hip hop is so much about vibe and just about the track feeling good and you never really being able to pick your head up because you're like, you're bobbing your head. You yeah, know, yeah. if there's a moment that kind of takes you out of that, then that would be some, that would be a diversion that's too much. And I think it's a lot easier when you have a bunch of live players in a room, everyone has, um, you know, everyone kind of wants to put their little stamp on it. And so you wind up running into people stepping on each other sometimes. Um, so I think it's, I think the thing that crosses over is just maintaining that, that feeling and like staying inside the groove and keeping the song at the top, gotcha. you know, creating a bed. And, but it's so funny because in a lot of ways it's exactly opposite too. like, I produced an Americana record for my buddy, Derek Johnson last year. Unbelievable. Like, folk songwriter in the in the vein of like Woody Guthrie like he writes old school like folk songs but they're not contrived and it doesn't feel it it just doesn't feel like um you know he's like oh I listened to this guy and so now I'm gonna write like him like no that's his heart right and so really great songwriter and we just got a bunch of players together in the room had a steel player had an organ player a bass player him playing uh he has a really nice Gretsch arch top guitar that just mics up so well real jangly um it almost sounds like the old uh you know like those uh alan lomax robert johnson recordings yeah yeah for sure it's real gritty like wiry guitar and um then me on drums and i produced it too and what was so cool is we we wanted it to have that feeling that his songs evoke. We didn't record with a click. We recorded everything live. He cut his vocals live. And it was just a really special thing. And what I did in that, I sent everybody the lyrics three days ahead of time. And I was like, listen to these demos and read these lyrics and really find out how you connect with them because I wanted everyone to go in like Russ Kunkel old studio trick he used to do, man, he would, he would just ask for a lyric sheet. Yeah. That's all he would do. And I mean, he played on one of my favorite drum fills of all time, Jackson Brown running on empty. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, like really just getting inside of the song. So I think with production, the, the crossover is just, and this with recording too, just giving it your heart and just really trying to get inside of whatever it is that you're doing and be a student of it too. You know, like if you're recording a hip hop record, go listen to some hip hop. You know, if you're yeah. recording an Americana record, go listen to some Americana, like just immerse yourself in it. 
you know i think the two genres and i you know i'm not a hip-hop guy yeah you know i mean i that's just me being honest um you know i think the the last like what you would call hip-hop or rap record i bought was nwa oh, yeah, so wow. i mean yeah, i mean yeah. we're talking you know 25 years yeah, ago yeah. probably um but i think what is constant between americana and hip-hop is the authenticity it's yeah. like there's no formulaic kind of kind of thing about it about the lyrics anyway yeah um you know whereas i think you know modern country music if you don't mention your tailgate at least a couple of times yeah i mean you know and i'm not picking on anybody it's just you know i grew up a huge fan of you know the motley cruise rat poison you know all of you know what we refer to now as hair bands i hate that term because mm-hmm. you know some of the best guitar work ever <laughs> came out of that era some of the best drumming ever yeah. came out of that era but you couldn't tell the bands apart by the end of that mm-hmm. and it died yep you know there was something new and fresh that came along called grunge and it killed all that mm-hmm. i have a uh, a bad feeling that that might happen to what we see as, you know, mainstream country today. Is it a bad feeling or is it a relief? Uh, well, I, I mean, and that's look, I mean, it's, this is a platform. So it's kind of like, this is, it's, it's tricky water you're stepping into and but it's like, there's so many great musicians who play that yeah. music, but it's just, the songs just feel flat to me. Not yeah. All of them. Not. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, it would be a relief. But, you know, here's the thing. Look, you know, we I've got friends that are in those types of mm-hmm. bands. You know, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to see anybody get put out of work. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing. But I just feel like, you know, Nickelback took a bad rap because all their songs sounded the same. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were all at the exact same tempo. They had the exact same chord mm-hmm. changes and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Creed got a bad rap yep. for the same reason. Mark Tremonti, who, you know, has, has gone on to do, you know, Alter Bridge, mm-hmm. great band, you know, but I, you know, I don't know. Is it, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, do we need a change or do we not? I, you know, I don't know. That's not for me to decide. I know what I like and what I don't like. And I feel like when music seems, you know, non-authentic, like it's, it's contrived, you used that word earlier when it's like, oh, well now we have to go to the bridge that talks about my baby's boots kind of, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's what turns a lot of people off to pop music too. Um, because a lot of pop can seem contrived, but you know, like with any genre, there's people I think who are out there doing it because they have a genuine love and affinity for that kind of music. And now I'd say the commercial side of it, the commercial side of country music is really like, it's, you know, I've, I've intentionally kind of stayed out of that world, you know, um, not, not knocking it for the people who do that because it's, it's frankly the best way to make a living in Nashville. Cause there's the most work for it in town. Yeah. Um, trying to carve out a living outside of that is a little more difficult, you know, yeah. and it's just, it, it wasn't for me. And yeah. that's not to say it's not for some people, but for me, I just really, I feel like I've gravitated more towards the world of like, just like you said, like very authentic, not yeah. formulaic kind of stuff, you know, like not, okay, do a little four bar drum loop. Here comes a verse, you know, eighth note, fill. here's the chorus, you know, like. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think we all, if, if we're going to get into session work, you know, have I played on stuff that, you know, I wouldn't have like become a member of the band. Absolutely. Sure. Of course you probably have too. Um, you know, but I think you go in and you do your best. You try to make the song as good as possible, you know, and, you know, we, we joke a lot and say, you know, sometimes you just can't polish a turd, you know, you've, <laughs> everybody's yeah. heard that, you know, but you do your best. Absolutely. You know, well, look at guys like, I mean, Aaron Sterling and Matt Chamberlain are amazing players that give country records life. Yeah. And like, man, I mean, Matt Chamberlain's playing on a Miranda Lambert's platinum album is like 
out of control. Yeah. And Aaron Sterling just did a record uh, with Kane Brown. Not a fan of the songs. The production's slick. The production's really cool. But I'm like, I listen to it. I'm like, man, I really like these tracks, but I don't like these songs. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, so people are giving great effort to do these things. And so there's always, I feel like there's always something that can be found to, to make, just to latch on to. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Song, you and, know, you know, and, and that's kind of what I was, you know, uh, angling at. And I knew you would, would say it, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, there's two kinds of music. There's good and bad, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's like, and that's, what's so cool about music and the arts in general mm-hmm. is that everything's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, is Beethoven's music great? Yes. Do I drive around listening to Beethoven's Seventh Symphony? Nope. Yeah, yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. but I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So there's always something for everybody. Um, Logan, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I, one of our traditions here on the show, and I know you've listened before, is we always ask our guests for a good piece of advice. And um, you know, you, you are an up and comer mm-hmm. in, in the world of, of drumming, producing all those things. Um, you know, you're still a young guy. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Give us a good piece of advice while you may not have decades and decades <laughs> sure. of experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think you might have a really fresh perspective on, you know, other folks that want to get into session playing. We, we do have a lot of young listeners, sure. you know? So what is it that you would share to say, take this out in your day-to-day life and it will help? Okay. Can it be a multiple pronged thing? Absolutely. Okay. If it's multiple pronged, even better. Okay. You, you, you get bonus points for that. Great. Hopefully <laughs> that means another cup of coffee. Uh, yes. So I would say, um, Man, first and foremost, and I think coming from me at my age, it, it definitely makes sense. Like be a student of your craft and show up every day, like willing to learn and don't let your, your ego or your personal desires get in the way of making something great, you know, always be willing to learn. Um, and I would say be grateful for where you're at, like wake up every day and just try to express some gratitude, you know? Um, and that honestly, when I'm feeling low, I, I just try to think of the the good things that I do have and express some gratitude. It always like, it kind of winds up coming back to you and you just, you know, like pay that sort of attitude forward. Um, and so be a student of your craft, have, have gratitude. Um, and most importantly, like serve the song. just be we are we are servants to the song and if no matter what it is just become a part of that you know become a part of something greater than yourself by serving what you're doing you know and that that means just being prepared you know yeah for sure be a student be grateful serve the song and show up on time yeah that's great advice and you know Logan probably wouldn't do this otherwise, so I'm actually going to tell the story, but I think probably the third or fourth sentence out of your mouth to me when we met last summer was, what have you been working on as a drummer? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's really, yeah. it, you, you ask me, you know, what licks, what grooves, what mm-hmm. have you been focusing on yeah. in your playing? That was almost instantly what we started talking about and that is you being a student of your game you're like oh here's a guy with gray hair standing in a booth you know trying to help you know move some product he he might he might know something you know and you didn't know me from anybody Mm -hmm. which i think says a lot and you know me doing this show it is um it's so therapeutic for me because I get to ask guys like Matt Chamberlain yeah. or Chris McHugh, like, you know, what were you thinking when you, you know, I want to know what makes these guys tick. And it's almost like learning by osmosis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you hear somebody talk about going into the studio to do this uh, or, or that, you know, whatever the case may be, if you understand what they were thinking about going into that situation, you, you pick up that experience a little bit, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though you're not the guy physically playing the notes. Um, I think this has just been a fantastic conversation. Yeah, I really appreciate you it. making the drive up. Yeah. To, better than a phone call on my boost mobile phone. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's so don't funny. Don't tell anyone you should. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got Boost Mobile. Not for long. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, My wife will laugh at that. When those, uh, when those royalty checks start rolling <laughs> in, as I'm sure they will, um, you know, I, we got to do this again. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've been threatening to uh, to start doing a co-host on every episode. I've, I, oh, man. That's been kind of a thought process. So we, we may have to, you know, go into get your people to call my people and yeah. we'll do the contract negotiations. We got our producers and, and managers on hold right now. That's so. exactly right. You know, this is such a um, such a well-oiled machine that you're a part of today. Yeah, I mean, we're in a 7,000 square foot studio right now. That's exactly right. So we're actually in my daughter's old bedroom. So <laughs> <laughs> this was the nursery when my daughter was oh, wow. young. So, um, but no, I appreciate you coming up and doing this and we, we got to have you back again. Um, do you have web address or anything that you want to share out there sure. so people can look you up and send you some, some emails? Yeah. On Instagram, I'm a kid from Memphis aptly. Um, and then on YouTube, you can find me under the same thing, a kid from Memphis or Logan Todd on drums. I'm still working on my website right now, but I've got a SoundCloud on, under a kid from Memphis, okay. um, pretty much across all platforms. That's where you can find me. Um, and yeah, email, james.todd.lt at gmail.com. I don't know why that's relevant, but if I get an email, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you heard that the challenge has, uh, has been laid down. The gauntlet is laid down for all you drum shuffle, uh, listeners, email Logan, please <laughs> blow him up. Uh, now hopefully you won't get signed up for all the Russian mail order bride stuff. Oh, you know, no. I hope nobody does that to you. We'll I hope, see. hope your spam filter is strong. Um, tr- trust me when I say that you, you would be surprised. I just opened up a whole can of worms. You, you, you did, but uh, I'll show you how to get past that. But anyway, Logan, thanks so much, man. Thank this you, has Jamie. been, this has been great yeah. brother. It's, you know, we'll do it again Absolutely. sometime soon. So, uh, everybody look Logan up. Um, this is a, this is a kid from Memphis that you should be watching. You're, you're going to hear from him for, for many years to come. So thanks brother. All right. Thanks man. See ya. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap up episode 67 of the drum shuffle. Many, many thanks to Logan Todd for making the drive up from Nashville to do that. Uh, we really do appreciate his time. And again, you guys look up Logan on all your different social media platforms, follow him, give him some love. Because again, this is the next generation of great drummers. I promise you that. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate each and every one of you doing that week after week. We just simply can't do this show without all of you guys tuning in. We are growing like wild here at the Drum Shuffle, uh, and and we want to thank you for helping us to continue that growth process. To that end, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in to the Drum Shuffle. It really does help us a lot. We're getting very, very close to 10,000 subscribers, which is uh, just absolutely amazing. And we owe all of that to all of you guys. We have interviews coming up over the next couple of weeks that you're certainly not going to want to miss. Next week, I'm going to be joined by jazz great Mark Walker. The week after that, I'm going to be joined by Americana everyman, Jerry Pentecost. Uh, Jerry's just doing a ton of great work out there. So that's two weeks from now. Next week, jazz great Mark Walker talking about his new release. Uh, Another just fantastic drummer. We really do appreciate you guys sending us your emails throughout the week. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. We do respond to every single one of those. Of course, our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and my web address is jamieeds.com. While you're there, go ahead and look at those social media links. Like, follow us, give us the blue thumb on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitter, all those different things. We do try to have social media output throughout the week, and you can follow us there as well. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Tell a friend about the drum shuffle. Share a link with somebody that helps us more than anything. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.